Hello, Miss Bender Muffins. Welcome to That Tech Show, the show that reveals the magicians behind the magic that's in everyday technology. This week's episode, we have Joe Krug. Now, Joe is the CEO of leading Webflow development agency, FinSuite. You can check them out at finsuite.com. In this episode, we talk about no-code and Webflow in particular, what we think the future of no-code is, and Joe teaches us to try a hot dog with his entrepreneurial spirit and his laid-back but determined attitude to running a successful Webflow development agency. So I hope you enjoy this one and do remember to leave us a review as it really does help the show. Here is Joe Krug. Whereabouts are you, Joe? I'm in Mexico. (laughs) Mexico. Okay. I don't know whether, I mean... London is very much like your North, your North London, your South London, your East London or West London. And it's very much like, uh, you know, it, 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 it's testament to who you are, where <laughs> you live in London. So I don't yeah. know whether you have the same thing. Well, we have the same thing in New York. Depending yeah. on where you live in New York, you're like a different person. Some people don't respect other people from different parts of New York. So I, I think it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've got that same sort of thing. I'm a hipster, so I live in East London. <laughs> Sam's a geezer, so he lives in South London. <laughs> yeah, a bit rough and ready in South London. <laughs> you mentioned New York. How, do you, are you born and bred from Mexico? Do you, did you move there from New York? I am born and bred in New York. Grew up there my whole life. Mm. And I was sick and tired of the cold. Just cannot deal with that. <laughs> It's like, Dude. it just, it ruins my day. <laughs> so yeah. I said, yeah. you know, got to move south. So I kept moving south, moving south, and I ended up in Mexico. I w- it originally started as a vacation, but I love the place so much. I moved back there the next month, and I've been here for wow. almost four years now. That's amazing. That's so cool. Well, I let's uh, let's do quick introductions before we like, properly get into it, because, of course... We haven't uh, introduced you. Thanks so much for joining the uh, podcast, Joe. Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners and um, give them an idea of who you are and what you do and all the rest of it? Sure. My name is Joe Krug. I am the founder of FinSuite, and we are a Webflow exclusive agency. We develop Webflow sites. We have very technical solutions, and we have a whole team of designers, developers, and technical JavaScript developers. And that's, that's why I'm here, um, loving the Webflow community, trying to be part of the Webflow community in as many ways as possible. Yeah, it's truly amazing. And I'm glad you said uh, FinSuite because I don't never know whether to call you FinSuite. I mean, obviously, it's a play on the words, but is it FinSuite? Is it FinSuite? Is it FinSuite, right? Yeah, it's, it's FinSuite and we make FinSuite websites. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to pronounce it myself. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, that, that confusion is, it's actually working out really well for us because people laugh about it. They joke about it. They end up saying the name two or three times in what is it? And at the end, everybody's laughing, having a good time. So that, that confusion has actually been a good thing. I love it. Was that intended? Did you think that that was how it was going to work out? No, no. I, when I first started the business, I had this idea that it would be secret forever, that it would we would be FinSuite and nobody would ever know about FinSuite. And that was how it was for the first few years. 
And then we put in the hero of the, the new site, we make and Suite websites and everybody goes, oh, okay, that's what this is. So that the, the apostrophe then? Yeah, added the apostrophe. Yeah. In the, in the uh, marketing. Yeah. And if anyone's offended by that, you could potentially say, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's fin, like, you know, like a shark fin or something like that. You could, it could work both ways, you know, but I doubt you get many people um, offended by it. It's such a, no. such a brash kind of brand, isn't it? That you can kind of get away with that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's said anything about it. Nobody has complained. And we, we try not to use the, the full inappropriate language. You know, we, we keep it effing. So I, I still see that as, you know, PG. <laughs> bit cheeky. Yeah. You can't go yeah. with the sh- you couldn't go with a shark fin anyway because they've got a giant lion on the website. Yeah, we're we're two in the jungle. That's true. The, we don't go in the ocean. Yeah. I actually noticed when I was load- I was loading up the site earlier and uh, my connection was a bit slow and it did say bear with us whilst we make our three D lion, which I, I liked. Yeah, nice, <laughs> good. That three D lion is epic. I don't know how, but I saw your original version of your website and you you were very photorealistic, weren't you? It was a, it was like a photoreal lion. I don't know how or where I saw that, but you migrated onto this really like graffiti, like branding is beautiful. And that line is incredible, you know? Yeah. Um, thank you. Like who did your branding? Did you guys do that? I mean, did you get like another agency or anything? No, we, we did it internally. We have, um, mm. well, we had a, a designer from Serbia and he designed the last site, the photorealistic site and the current site. He's no longer working with us. He didn't have, he, he wasn't too much into Webflow. He was more of a designer. So we had a mutual break, but mm. still in good terms, great person, really good job on the brand. And we're actually redesigning the brand right now. And now we have one of our, our top creatives doing some crazy, crazy things, taking 3D and depth to the next level in Webflow. Nice, all in Webflow, huh? Yeah. Is that something you're gonna keep doing, sort of iterating, evolving the brand, going through different branding on a regular basis? Probably. Probably. Uh, and I could see us doing that every two to three years. Easy people. I think people are starting to expect it. You know, we've had this current site for a while now. It's really nice, but I think we need to get to the next level. Just like I see us getting to the next level as a business. What's the, what's the, the reason for that sort of cycle of, uh, of turnover? Is that, is that because you're an agency? Are you seeing other agencies do that? Or is it, is this something that is key to your brand? Well, I, I feel that we need a new website. And the reason I feel we need it is because we're growing as a business. That website was awesome for us two years ago. It was the best we could do. And now I look at that site and I say, that's not the best we can do. It's really good. But now we have a team that has grown and that team can produce a higher quality site. So we should be showing a higher quality site. I think our website should represent the best of the best of what we can do. And right now it's not doing that. So the new site, it's so colorful and so interactive that it makes the current site look bland and boring and no movement. That's how crazy the new one's going to be. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is like, that's one of the reasons why I thought, you know, wanted to get you guys on the show is because you, you know, the Webflow, Webflow community is just amazing. Like if you're learning Webflow, 
first thing you need to do is check out Webflow University and get on that Facebook group because it's super helpful and all the rest of it. But, you know, you're really making your name for yourselves as just the company to go for, the the the, the leading the charge with in terms of like Webflow development. So I feel your pain in that, you know, you've got to, you've got to uh, prove your worth almost. Like people, you know, if you're saying you're, but well, and and you are great. But if you're if you're out there, you're leading the charge. And you, you, people need to land on your website and re- really feel that. And if you're not delivering, then you've lost that sale immediately, right? Exactly, nailed it. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, before we get into, uh, I wanted to ask uh, about your podcast. I saw that you released a podcast recently, huh? Yeah, we did. It is business based. It has nothing to do with actual Webflow development or design. We are focusing on growing your business inside the Webflow community, inside the Webflow environment. Mm. And we're really happy about this because me and Rymar are both business-based. We were in business and sales before we were in websites. So we feel really comfortable talking about this. And nobody's talking about this. Uh, A lot of the communication in the industry is about the design and about the development, about the technical implementations. And we're trying to separate with a business-focused podcast. And so what was your in, involvement in business before then, before you got into websites, you say? I have been doing small little businesses since I was a kid. I've, I've always had sales and entrepreneurship in my blood. And just before websites, I was doing a lot of sales. I was working with a company, leading their sales department. We... It was a startup. It was very interesting, fast moving. And the reason I got into websites is because the sales dashboard we were using did not work. It was a custom built web application. It didn't work. Our sales weren't being recorded correctly. And it just pissed me off. So <laughs> I started looking into websites, trying to figure out why is this not working? What What is wrong with this? And I got interested and interested and interested, and it was a natural progression into websites from there. How long was that sort of progression cycle from you know being angry and annoyed by it to actually trying to solve the problem? Well, it was, that's a, that's a great question. I started really small by making small landing pages for this sales startup. You know, we had, We had a need for this little landing page and this website and this and this. So I was the one that was in WordPress trying to piece these together. That happened for about a year. And then that company no longer existed. And I said, let me try to make some money for myself doing this website thing. So I started building in in WordPress. So I was doing WordPress on and off casually for fun for about two years, year and a half. And then I got into Webflow, and from there I was 100% motivated in websites. So was that was? Did you go directly to Webflow, or had you tried some of the other no-code platforms first? No, I, I went WordPress right to Webflow. Mm-hmm. I remember I was building a blog in WordPress, and it was just a pain. It was a terrible, terrible process. I was so confused. And I was looking on, online for solutions for blogs. You know, what, what's another way I can make a blog other than this WordPress thing? Mm-hmm. I found Webflow, started using it. And that same day, right away, I said, this is the platform. I'm moving to this. This is the future. Why? Because I started learning right away. 
I mean, right when you jump into Webflow, you are introduced to HTML, you're introduced to CSS, and you do not get that exposure on a WordPress type platform. So I felt myself learning within the first 10 minutes of using the platform, which I think is amazing. So right away, I'm learning, I'm doing cool stuff, I'm doing way more than I could do in WordPress, this is my platform. That's really interesting. I mean, I know Sam knows an awful lot more about Webflow than I do. Um, so, I mean, from, from your perspective, and as the effing or, or fin expert, as it says on your website, um, I keep hearing mixed things on whether it's easy to use or whether it's really difficult to master. So which of those is it then, in your opinion? It's easy to use and it's difficult to master. I think both of those <laughs> statements make sense here. So if you want to build a simple marketing site, you're doing a one-page, two-page, five-page website. You don't need any custom functionality. Everything can stay native within Designer. That's something easy you can do. Mm -hmm. You can download a template. You can spend the weekend or two weekends learning, and you can piece together a site fairly quickly. That I see as easy. If you're then working with bigger enterprises or you have a big build or really confusing functionality to figure out, something very technical, that I think requires master level, at least master level to do it right. And is that Webflow, like Webflow master specific? I, I, is that master in Webflow specific or master in software engineering? No, that's master in Webflow specific. And one of the ways to master Webflow is to understand everything that it can do and everything that it cannot do, everything. Mm -hmm. So that when someone says, hey, I'm trying to do this on Webflow, Right away, you can answer back and say, yes, you can do it like this, this, or this, or no, you can't do that. So you can be very specific with that and you can answer those questions. That is going to make you a master. Mm. That was that was going to be sort of one of my questions as well around kind of clients coming to you wanting a Webflow website. Are you often like batting, batting them away in terms of really their... Because lots of people want a Webflow website. It's very hot. It's very trendy right now. Are you then batting people away because they want a website, but it's not quite right for their needs? Well, that's part of being a Webflow master. When you're a Webflow master, you can make anything happen in Webflow. It's very, very rare that we turn a company away from Webflow. Mm. Why? Because you can do anything with Webflow as long as you have the JavaScript knowledge, as long as you have somebody that can write JavaScript in any way you, you discuss, you can make that happen in Webflow. So the only time we're turning away companies from Webflow is if they have hard stop requirements, like they need folders for language translation rather than a subdomain method, or they absolutely need over 10,000 CMS items and it needs to be hosted inside Webflow. These types of things that are hard stops, we we push people away, but if, if people want an auth system or they want to fetch data and render it on the page in a certain way, we're going to figure out all of that for you. And I think mm. becoming a master will allow you to say yes to almost anything for Webflow. Yeah, because FinSuite produces a lot of its own tools and its own products that complement Webflow, right? So you've obviously built, you're obviously leveraging off potentially, I don't know, um, weak points or places that Webflow, you don't feel like it, it can serve, you know, well enough? Sure. A lot of people can look at Webflow as a whole bunch of limitations. 
or you can look at those limitations as opportunities for solutions. So when we see a limitation Webflow, instead of crying about it, we're going to go and build some tool that helps you use it. Whether that's a, a script writer, we have some script writers that people really like to go and write JavaScript visually. We have some, some mini libraries that help you do little tiny things that Webflow can't do natively. And yes, we're building a, a, a CMS add-on to Webflow because you can't go over 10,000 CMS items. So when we see a limitation and it's a limitation that brings people away from the platform, we're now formalizing these solutions for the community. We've always been doing these solutions for our clients internally, and we've done some of them enough times where we say, let's create a little library, a little application around this to then go give to the community. So these are born from client needs where you're basically, they're asking you to build it and like, well, why don't we build it and then provide that to the community? Exactly. Exactly. It's really cool. What is it you're actually building those in? What sort of software are you using to develop your own plugins? It's mostly JavaScript. A lot of what we do is client-side JavaScript. We're trying to not do too much stuff with servers, anything that requires a backend because Webflow doesn't really connect with backends. You can, but the average user can't do it. So when we release a solution, we want most people to be able to use it, not 1%. So front end, copy paste this script on your site, change the classes, and now you have this cool functionality. And do you use any sort of, are there any, are there, are there any data stores in the back end that are maybe not exposed to the user or do you try and do absolutely everything on the, on, on the front end? No, the, what we, what we release to the community is on the front end, mm. but when we work with enterprise clients, it's very common that we are working with their APIs. We're working with their auth system. Right. We're doing much more technical things that the Webflow community doesn't even know that we do. Mm. That's a, that's separate. Once we start working with the, the more technical clients, that stuff, nobody knows about. That's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious as well with something like Webflow or another, um, no code platform, I've always thought that it's a good thing to get started with, but do you think you need to kind of roll your own eventually? And if that is true, at what point is that, you know, cause you've talked about the CMS limitation, for example. But are there any other limitations as well, maybe around like uh, like e-commerce or anything along those sort of lines? There are. There are absolutely limitations. And they affect some companies. They don't affect most companies. Mm. So if we get, let's say, 10 leads in a week, nine of them are perfect for Webflow. One of them, maybe you need a bit of custom work here and you need to have this budget to go do that. But you could really put together anything in Webflow to make it work. And why would you use Webflow instead of another platform? Because after you're done building it, you can then onboard a marketing team to it. And mm -hmm. that's really where the powerful part comes into. We can build what we're doing in another platform, but another platform doesn't have the utilities, the type of CMS capabilities to let marketing teams really take control of their site. Mm -hmm. I have a sort of love-hate relationship with kind of marketing teams being onboarded with with websites because <laughs> often they want to change the design and do this and do that. And I'm much before I much prefer just giving them a text field and just say, look, just write what you need in that text field. I will take care of the sort of design. Well, not me personally, but 
you know, if you've come to us for the design, I don't want then a marketing team bastardizing that with their own kind of, um, you know, design input. Do you, do you find that there, do you find that yourself? Do you have, do you have issues with that yourself or do you really not mind? Like once, once it's theirs, they can do whatever they want with it. I like to think once it's theirs, they can do what they want with it. Mm. A lot of companies come to us with this, this requirement specifically, we need you to build our site and we need our marketing team to grow the site after. Mm. That's what it is. I mean, we're not going to turn down a project because they need to, to edit it afterwards. Usually marketers do break the site and usually it's not even design. It's like adding some ridiculous style to a global class and something crazy happens mm. and that happens, but that's just part of it. So instead of fighting it, instead of arguing with the clients or pushing them away from it, we've accepted it. It's become part of our process and we try to onboard teams as best as possible so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so how, like, how does that work out in your portfolio then? Because of course, if, a, if you've demonstrated a design or whatever in your portfolio and then someone snoops around and goes to that website and then it's sort of changed or, or, you know, not looking the same again, are you just, are you quite happy for that to kind of happen or is there like with, with your onboarding, is there again, limitations that you kind of want to take hold so that your work is, is best represented, re represented, <laughs> um, yep. Yep. In, yeah, good question. Know. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's the core reason why we actually don't link out to the website URL from our portfolio. Interesting. When the site's done, we take a screenshot. This is what we built. This is what you can see. You can go find the company on Google, but it's client owned. Every site that we built is client owned after we deliver. So it mm -hmm. could look the same. It could look better. It could be a total train wreck. And now I don't worry about that as much because we're no longer doing design work for clients which has been a huge, huge decision for us and a really good decision. So now we don't even care about the design. Like you could come to us with a terrible design website, a great design website. We are focusing on developing. We're going to implement your design. It's going to be perfect. And after that, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. That's really interesting because the, so, so I have my own agency and we build apps. So we're, we're very much in the code. We're very much in the kind of strategic side of things. And I, you know, people are sold by design, like the, the, I don't want to use layman, but the, the sort of every, every day, the, the people, our target audience, the people who are going out looking for a company to work with, often they're looking at the design, not the code. So how do you, how do you sell that or how do you communicate that, you know, this site might look like trash, but you know what, the code, how it was built, <laughs> the, the way, the way that the team operated, the way that we helped and guide our client, how do you communicate that? Or, or how are you kind of, um, well, yeah. How are you communicating that effectively enough? Cause it's obviously working, right? Yeah, it is. We're seeing a, a lot more efficiency, a lot, a lot happier of a team. And it's, it's a little easy for us because companies are now coming to us specifically for the implementation, that this is not something we're pitching them. We're not saying, hey, go find another designer and we'll develop it. As companies get bigger, they have their own design teams. They have their marketing teams. They have their content teams. 
So they're saying, hey, we built the entire thing. Mm-hmm. We have the design done. We have the strategy done. We have the tracking information done. We just need a Webflow team to implement all of this work now. And as we see companies getting bigger, this becomes more and more common. And as bigger companies come to Webflow, I think this is going to be even more frequent. So companies come to us and do this, and we don't even have to talk about design. Like they, they don't care anything about design. All they care about is you can build a really nice Webflow site, and our portfolio shows that. Mm. And integrating, obviously, with all the different services and things like that is, you know, um, especially with enterprise, they've got all these CRMs and all the acronyms you can throw under the bus. But uh, is that that a term, throw under the bus? Um, (laughs) All the acronyms and all the services and things like that. I don't think I've ever heard of throwing someone. acronyms under the bus, but this, 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 there it is. It's, <laughs> let's start that now. Let's, let's make it's a it. new thing. Okay. Well, we'll check, we'll check that and then uh, we'll try and start the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's really good how you've, yeah, how you've um, established a niche. Uh, I think a lot of people find, I mean, you mentioned yourself, it was a hard decision. It is a hard decision to, to put yourself in a, in a, in a bucket, but ultimately I think it pays off because it, you know the 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 cerebral kind of overhead of trying to manage clients and and you know with design especially with design because it's so subjective and all the rest of it um it must it, it must have been a big weight off your off your shoulders to say right let's just do implementation absolutely and i i see this this improvement in, in efficiency immediately even mm. in the sales process Selling a design project takes a long time. Send me some examples. Send me the designer that's going to be on the project. Show me this person's work. Show me similar websites they've done in my industry. This is like a multi-week process of back and forth, visual examples, make sure we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. With development projects, sometimes those are closed within one hour. Seriously. They come to us. Here's the design. Here's the Figma completely designed. We have this requirement and this requirement. I can come back immediately with a quote and a timeline. They don't care who's working on it. They just want a clean, nice, organized site. And they say, great, statement of work, signed, done, finished. So it is a huge time savings in sales. And then that trickles right down to the actual work that you're right with the subjectivity. Design is subjective. There's a lot more iterations there. Development, it is right, direct, objective. And really the only time we go back and forth is when they say, hey, let's, let's see like a little bit of a different movement here. Let's try this here. And that iteration process is so much more simple. So if, if you're building you know, several websites, you know, are you getting through more? Is this part of the growth strategy that you were talking about earlier? Uh, rather yeah, than absolutely. You know, longer running things. Absolutely. Yeah. We can get more projects complete in a shorter period of time. So our team is more efficient, our margins are higher, and people are happier. As a designer, nobody wants to design a site and then have a client rip it apart, mm. especially after it's already been approved. It's frustrating. And, our, and I saw our designers getting frustrated with this. Our best people who are top, top, top designers coming to me saying, hey, I'm stressed out about this project. I mean, I I don't know if we're going to find this visual style. 
Now those designers can focus on internal work for us. Mm -hmm. They can focus on building the FinSuite brand visually and they have no oversight. I never tell them to change something because mm -hmm. they're designers. They should be making those decisions themselves. Are you finding that the clients that are, that are approaching you are looking for different things than what you were looking for before? Because, you know, I, I presume when it first starts, as most agencies do, someone's coming to you asking for a website or you've gone out and found them looking for a website. Are they specifically coming to you now for build me a Webflow site? Here's the design. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. People are coming right to us saying, hey, we found your content online. We found you on the partners page. We found you in the community, organic search, and love your stuff, want to work with you. And that's the development projects are much more, let's get this started immediately. The design projects, we still get requests for design projects. And it's always like a, hey, we're reaching out to a few companies to see what's up, to see who's, who's good for us. With development, a lot of people are coming to us. We have a Webflow build. We have eight pages. Here's the Figma. When can we start? It's a whole, whole different process. I'm missing something on Figma. What's Figma? Figma is a design <laughs> program. It's like Sketch or Photoshop, but a much, oh, much right, okay. newer All version. online. All in the browser. This is because I'm this is my fault because I'm this is my fault because I'm too too into the code. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I, so again, with sort of my agency, I think we went the other way because I, I completely agree with you. Like when you're iterating and changing and people don't like certain things, it does, it drags out the project. And you said something that hit the nail on the head. Like you go to a designer because they are the experts, right? They know design. I don't ask my designers to change much at all unless I've got a real strong business case for like why I think certain things should be done. Maybe this isn't being communicated well enough or, you know, I'll try and bring in the, the business angle of it, but they're designers, you know. Um, with my agency, we went the way of like, well, instead of asking them, you come to us and we figure that out for you. And we bring you the business insights. We bring you the trends. We bring you the, the strong case as to why you really don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I, that's a very horrible way of saying it, but you know, it's, it's saying, look, trust us. We will go away and, and we will give you the best thing based on the information you've given us about your business and about your, your, your field of work. And, and we'll produce something like we only produce one logo when we do when we do our logos just because again and if they don't like it um, you know that's we we'll obviously work with them with maybe some sort of tweaks or, or something but really it's like look this is this is our work so you know you you've proven that you can go one way and and how that can how that can really work and now i'm sort of second guessing my whole business plan basically because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work you know you, you know i am looking at six months projects you know and 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 half like a year long projects now and it's like that that makes sense when you're having to do all this sort of stuff but now yeah and sam the the most frustrating part of design that we we started to see was we worked with somebody a project manager that loved the whole process all the design is great everything's good as companies get bigger the ceo is less involved until the very end and then the ceo comes in at the end and says actually i don't like this color i don't do this and you got to change this to this yeah but meanwhile this this has been approved for months by the working team 
Yeah. As companies get bigger, we see more and more of this. And um, yeah, this is this is a a really bad way to yeah. to have your designers work. Yeah, that's yeah, it's yeah. just a huge waste of time, in my opinion. So, what are your designers doing now? Then, uh, so you mentioned one that that you're not no longer working with in Serbia. I like, did you did you have to part ways with all your designers? Have they moved on to? Are they learning Webflow and development processes now? All of the designers that we've had on our team, except for the the one from Serbia, are Webflow developers. That was a requirement for being on the team. That yeah, if you are going to build websites for us, you need to do both design and development. We see better margins when the same person is doing the same thing. So these people already know Webflow development and everybody was very happy just going Webflow development. These people are now designing the landing pages for our libraries, designing the landing pages for our marketing campaigns, designing the new products that we have coming out. We have paid products coming out all throughout 2021 and there's a lot of design work needed. So these people are now focusing their design efforts on designing for this and they have no oversight. They have nothing to change. It's like, just speak freely. You don't even have to follow the FinSuite branding. That's how free it is. Wow. Yeah. Were, you were once de developing, right? You were once actually hands-on in development. Are you still doing development or are you stepping back and really guiding the business strategy? Yeah, I, I haven't built a full Webflow site in over a year now. Oh yeah, and do you do you kind of miss that all that kind of stuff? Are you happy now where you are? I miss some of it, but I prefer to be where I am right now. Absolutely, and now yeah. I, I take more of a managerial role, overseeing projects, not not client projects. I'm not in there micromanaging. Um, I'm helping people do what they want to do, mm. whether that's work, work on client projects all day whether that's work on internal work, whether that's leading their own team of people. And I'm trying to facilitate that process, help empower people on the team to do what they want to do, keep people happy and sales. Yeah. And, and, and do you enjoy, like, where did you pick up those skills? Cause I know Chris, like, you know, Chris loves the digital transformation. I don't know. You, you're probably better at describing it than me, but that whole, the, the, the management of teams and things like that, have you got any formalized training and that sort of thing? Or is it just something you're really passionate about? Passionate about learning as I go trial and error. Yeah. And just being transparent. It's, it's really easy to try something and then ask somebody how it went. So let's manage this project at the end of the project, reach out to each person and say, Hey, how did this go? Are you happy? What can be better? You do that enough times and it just becomes more natural and more natural. Yeah. Are there any particular techniques you're, uh, you're using at this point? Any sort of agile project management techniques or following any no. styles? No, no, that's, that's how untrained and, and rogue <laughs> we are at FinSuite. We don't, we don't follow any formal techniques. With, with, you know, with project management in mind or, or just kind of general processes, what, what kind of tools do you use? to you know the, the back end of the business as it were we're on slack slack is a really valuable tool for us for communication talking uh game planning community stuff inside of our company slack is is where we do that hmm. we recently started using ClickUp. Hmm. as as we're growing we need a, a more formal system ClickUp is now that system and we are currently onboarding the team starting to use it some people are more comfortable than others
others, but it's a, a learning process to now be on ClickUp. Nice. Yeah, I saw ClickUp. I, I use Nifty and I think ClickUp kind of was starting to advertise to me and it, it does seem like a really good good tool. Um, I just, I, I, I wanted something like Nifty has Slack built in, which I thought was like, a, well, not Slack, but it's own kind of version of Slack or whatever. But mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's so hard to find the right tools, especially as you're growing, as you're changing, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily want to commit to anything or you, you know, want to find the right tool for, for the right job, you know. ClickUp sounds cool. I've never uh, come across that before. I'm just having a little look now. I'm going to experiment with that, I think, after this session. <laughs> yeah, ClickUp is a huge platform and there is a learning curve. When I first started using it, I hated it. It was just terrible because it was so confusing and the UI was just, there's so much to do. But the reason we chose it is for scalability. You can really do anything you want with the platform. You can create flows and checklists and views, and there's an endless amount of ways to customize your workflow in ClickUp. So we thought this is a platform that we could see our, uh, us using in five years, where some of the other platforms we looked at, we thought, yeah, maybe we can use this now, but I could see us growing out of this in five years. And onboarding to another tool then. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of work with, with uh, larger organizations and actually all of the tools that it's saying that it replaces are the ones that we spend all of our time integrating and stitching together. So that, uh, I think I've learned something today. I'm going to go and explore, nice. explore, explore that one. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask, um, with the transition that your team has made or your or whole organization has made, have you moved from your original strategies, the way you would go out and presumably sell? Are you talking about the sales process or are you talking about getting leads to? Uh, well, generally leads, I suppose, but also has the sales process changed as well? Sales process has not changed mm. at all. The, uh, the only change is now we don't have to talk about design and we don't have to talk about styles and matching yeah. that. But no, the sales process is the same. And what we do is we are answering the leads questions about Webflow. Everybody that comes in has some question, how do we do this? Can you do this? Is Webflow possible for this? And with that master knowledge, explaining that process and explaining how it works gets people comfortable with the platform, mm. gets people comfortable working with your company to build on the platform. So it's the same process, educating the user, educating them on how to solve their problems that they've presented to you and even giving them solutions live on the call. That type of stuff sells. So process not changed at all. The getting leads to finsuite.com. We have never advertised. We've never put out any types of ads or anything. Everything has been organic and through the community. Now, as our YouTube videos are starting to see an increase in SEO, we're having a lot of organic traffic. Hey, I searched for filtering in Webflow and you were the first listing. Hey, I searched for doing this thing in Webflow and I found you. We're getting a lot of people like that. We're also getting a lot of people just talking about us. Hey, I heard about you from a friend of a friend because they found Webflow because of you. So it's very natural and organic and, and there's, there's no change from our decision to go development only. So, I mean, that's really interesting a lot of organizations find it really difficult to get to that point. You know, when you're trying to grow an organization, you're trying to get to that certain size. 
how do you how did you actually get to that point where people are starting to come to you? Because for example, obviously Sam's got an agency. I've run consultancies in the past. With the consultancies, a lot of my work that I've done over the last sort of six years, I guess, has all been repeat business from people I've worked with in the past. So you know, I do have organic growth, but it's not wide. It's not. In, it's not in the. Uh, it's not. It's not particularly wide in the community. So how do you go about starting to build that following? It's the content. It's the content. First, I'll say what a lot of companies do, which I think is not the right way to do it. A lot of companies are going to put out content and put some type of a gate behind it. They'll make you put your email in. They'll make you do something to get that content, check out our webinar and fill in this information. I think that deters a lot of people. It gets you out of the search results. And I don't think people appreciate that very much. I don't. I, I'm not going to put my email in to be to get some PDF. I, I don't like it. What we do is we are creating content for free with no expectation for pay, no expectation for your email. And we are putting out honest, good, high quality content at no cost. We are doing this at a high volume and people are actually searching for these things. Why? Because it's things that people actually need. We are building our solutions based on what our clients are actually asking for. We've been doing this for a long time. We've built over 100 Webflow sites, and we know what people want. So we're creating content around that. We're giving free solutions. We're even giving free support. And people see that. They respect it. And because of that, we've grown a name for ourselves. So that's putting yourself in a position of authority then, which will yes. then in turn lead to you're at the top top of the list when people search for, I need a guy to do this. Yes. I'm, um, I'm like a firm believer in content strategy and, and having, having that be the, the sort of driving force behind my marketing. The only issue is that it's damn near impossible to see what the ROI is on this sort of material, like even down to how much did this camera cost and this equipment versus the time as well that I put into, that's the stuff that's just, I don't know if you figured out a way to, to see that ROI or is it just don't focus on that and just give for, through the goodness of your heart. Yeah, that's impossible to track. Just absolutely impossible. Don't even try to think about tracking it. Yeah. And, and that's why, that's why a lot of companies put the gate system up. Yeah. Because they need some, they need some statistics. They need to go to their boss and say, we had this many people use our thing. And because of that, these people converted. They need the numbers, they need the statistics, and they need some type of tie to ROI. And that's why a lot of companies are failing in content. Yeah. You can't think of the direct ROI because it's impossible to measure. We're not, we're only seeing this content rush of leads, the, the leads coming in from our content the past few months. I'd say the last six months, we're getting constant, hey, saw your content, saw your content, heard about you from a friend of a friend. And we've been doing this for almost three years. You know, the, the content, the, yeah. the YouTube videos and the tutorials. So it takes time. You got to be patient. And even now, I, I see us at the very beginning. The videos that we did last year, the year before, those are going to be relevant in two years from now, in three years from now. It's JavaScript. It's not going to change. Mm. You, know, you know, having your, your slider do something special is probably going to be the same method in two years from now. Mm. So our content, we're building it with the expectation that it's going to help us grow years from now. Years. 
So we're investing now, and hopefully in, in five years from now, we'll have a content empire that has everything. And even then, we probably won't be able to properly track the ROI. I don't mm -hmm. ever, ever expect to, to directly tie content creation to actual revenue, and that's is, okay with me. Is there something you've done that has triggered that boost in the last sort of six months? No. No, just, just, just literally waiting for it to happen. Yep. As Webflow grows, as more people come to Webflow, our content automatically becomes more valuable. Mm. So there's a little yeah. bit of um, being comfortable in ambiguity there. And a lot of people are uncomfortable in ambiguity. How do you deal with that? It's part of growing a business. It's part of being an <laughs> entrepreneur. Like yeah. there's a lot of uncertainties and you can't expect to understand all the uncertainties. It's impossible. So you got to run with it. And as long as you're making smart decisions, you're making confident decisions, you're going to be okay. But you must have, you must have gone through some failures as well. Are, are you able to share yeah. with us any examples where you've, any, any yeah. learnings? Absolutely. Go on then, what's brings to mind? <laughs> yeah, I was terrible at bringing new people onto the team. Just oh, really? horrendous, yeah. In the beginning, you know, we had the, the Serbian designer, awesome. He, he really helped me design a lot of the initial sites when I was the only one on the team. And we started to add more and more people to the team. A designer developer, just a developer, just a designer. And every single one of them was failing. There was one good one for every five failures. Wow. And it, at the time, we had very little money. It cost us money. It cost us time. It cost us resources. And it was very discouraging. But I saw one person successful. There was at least one person that was a total home run. So even though there were five failures, I said, if we have one success, that means we can keep replicating that success. I just need to figure out how to bring those quality people onto the team. So the failures were terrible and made me think about stop hiring. But I knew that FinSuite had to scale. I wasn't going to be working on Webflow builds for my entire life. So we need to, we need to do this. So it's, it, it's a confidence thing. You have to, when you're an entrepreneur, you got to be confident, even if there's a lot of uncertainty. And what, what can you pinpoint it down to as the reason why you were having those sort of hiring, hiring missteps? Work ethic. Right. Work ethic, attitude, and money. Anytime, anytime we come across somebody who cares too much about money or is really specific about the money, mm -hmm. that's usually a bad sign for us, for FinSuite. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason is, you know, you have to be focused on the work. The work should be number one, the money should be number two. And when those two things reverse, it's very dangerous because then you're doing a project to be paid instead of doing a project for the results. Mm -hmm. for the, the happiness of the client, which will then in turn give you more projects and better projects. So that was one. And number two was the, um, the work ethic. You know, you got to be ready to work. You have to be ready to do what the client asks, even if you don't agree with it. Even if it's way too many iterations based on the scope, you have to do it. And if you don't have that mentality of get the job done, this needs to be complete, you're not a good fit for the team. So those are, those are some of the core things that we now look for.
you also mentioned the attitude as well. You you notice yeah. particularly bad attitudes. Yeah, that that ties into what I was just talking about with the the work ethic. Right. You know, yeah. the attitude. Client says to change something, instead of complaining to the client or complaining to me, go do it, get it done, make the client happy, move on. Yeah, that's the type of attitude we're looking for. And and how have you been able to actually? identify that in a candidate because we've had other conversations with the recruiters and various other people it, it it is it is very difficult in a very short space of time to try and determine who somebody is mm-hmm. have you got any particular techniques for for how to get in there and figure out who is who uh who you are or who they are yeah i i i've been very recently giving people the ability to make their own job, which has been incredibly valuable. So so people usually write to us and say, hey, I love your brand. How can I work for you? So I'll respond and say, tell me what you want to do. Like, make your job. And if if it sounds good and it sounds like you will be of value to our company, we'll give it a shot. Two-week trial, let's see how this works. I'm also going to ask about money. How do you want to be paid? So what do you want to do? How do you want to be paid? It's a very open-ended question. And based on that response, I can see this person is right for the team or this person is not right for the team. And then they get that two-week trial. So nobody is just you know, getting a contract with a, a 12-month contract to come work with us. You're doing a two-week. If we like each other, we'll continue. If we don't like each other, see you later. I mean, this is a unique approach it sounds to me like a, a very entrepreneurial approach really it's a classic you know this is a total totally different way of thinking about hiring and building a team uh, yeah. which i like so how how big is uh uh fin i keep what fin sweet <laughs> i keep wanting to say f and sweet i'm stuck on it so how you can how, say f and sweet <laughs> how big is f and sweet and how f and big is it going to get <laughs> yeah we're at 35 right now oh wow, wow. And that's, we've, we've more than doubled in the mm. past year, mm. which seems ridiculous. And even when I think back to it, it, it just seems like a ridiculous statistic doubled in one year with no funding, but it works. We have 35 happy people and everyone's doing their job. All the clients are happy. So everything's good. I think especially to double within 2020 is, uh, is, is definitely an achievement. And yeah. With your unique approach to hiring and allowing people to design their own job roles, how do you think that's going to scale beyond 35 as you near sort of 100 maybe? How, how is that going to still work and how your leadership style is going to, how do you think your leadership styles are going to change and adapt? Because you may not know yet, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know that yet. And I don't think I've put a minute of thought into it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very here and right now. So right Mm. now we're at 35. This is what I'm doing right now to make this work. When I find that it's breaking, when I see that what I'm doing is no longer working, that's the time to make a change. And I think thinking about the 100 people at this point in time is a waste of my time. Mm. No matter what I think about the right way to do it at 100 people is, it will absolutely be different by the time we get to 100 people. Guaranteed. Yeah. So why, why think so far in the future if, if that thought is guaranteed to change? So in, in order to come up with these sorts of concepts of 
allowing people to design their own their own roles, um, that sort of stuff. How long does it take you to think these things up? Is it is it an inspiration that just comes to you to go? Do you know what I'm going to do this? I'm going to try it. You know. Yeah, it's it's really that's that easy. Hmm. It it comes to mind usually when I have an idea and I I'm very sure about it. It takes seconds to make that decision and go implement it. So some of our, our top hires, our top projects were idea, that's perfect, go send the message and implement. Very quick decisions, very, very quick. Um, speaking of the future then, what, what, well, sort of thinking back to when you, when you first started or when you made the commitment to Webflow, what, what, what made you essentially bank on Webflow being there in, in 10, 20 years time, because we've seen this before. And I, I actually compare Webflow in, in some ways to Dreamweaver. I don't know whether you use Dreamweaver. Very, very kind of not, not too visual, but very drag and droppy and, and various things like that. What's made you bank on Webflow being here in, in 10 years time? Well, in the very beginning, I didn't think about it. Same, mm -hmm. The same concept we talked about. I was just starting the business I didn't know if I was going to be doing it in two or three years. Mm. I was making websites for $500, just me. So at that time, I thought Webflow was the right move for FinSuite, was the right move for me, but I didn't think too much into the company or where they were going. Because even if they did fail in two years, this was me in the first few months of business in a brand new industry. Like if Webflow went under in two years, I don't know that I, I didn't feel like that would really hurt the business that much. Once Webflow got to a point where I felt they were unstoppable, you could pay us a million dollars for a WordPress site. We're not going to touch it. We are hmm. only focused in Webflow. And I think that happened around year two or year three of FinSuite, probably year two, hmm. where you know you, we saw, I, I saw Webflow growing to a point of they can't be stopped. There's no way. This community is growing too fast. The business is growing too fast. The, the way of building sites is too good and they're not going anywhere. And that is proven true and true every single year. Well, I was going to say, so where do you, like, I'm not sure. The reason why I asked you earlier is like how, how kind of in the, in the weeds are you with the code and stuff like that? Do you have like a, an outlook on where you think Webflow is going or where you think no code just in general is going? Do you have that kind of perspective or some, some predictions there? Yeah, I think, I think Webflow is going towards enterprise. And I think it is going towards onboarding large teams to the platform. I also think that they are going to be releasing a lot more logic-based systems mm -hmm. inside Webflow, being able to do some, some logic in the, the functionality of your site, how it works, how users interact with your site, maybe some user dashboards. Once they, once they go and implement that, that's going to open up the door to more people using it. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I, I really don't like to speculate about what Webflow is going to release and not release because mm -hmm. they can say they release something and it never comes. So mm -hmm. even if the platform never changes, let's say they never do another update to the platform, I still see big companies migrating to Webflow, getting off of their legacy systems so that their marketing teams can go and manage the website. And I see that happening for a lot of no code, that these marketing teams want to market, 
And if it's a marketing website, that needs to be done inside a marketing website platform. And that's what I see Webflow as. I don't see Webflow taking over um, custom applications, at least anytime soon, you know, creating a, a totally custom web application or a totally or a mobile application mm-hmm. that I don't see happening in the near future. But onboarding marketing teams to marketing sites, that's, I think, what the bread and butter is. Interesting. Yeah. Because obviously you mentioned dashboards and things like that. And and there seems to be a lot of requests in the community recently around, um, bubble and integrating, uh, is it bubble bubble.io or something? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're obviously, you know, I've not really looked into too much, too much into it. I don't know whether you have, but it seems like they're like web, a no code web app solution with a lot of logic, but obviously a lot of people want the usability of Webflow, but the logic and functionality of bubble. So I th- yeah. I wonder I wonder if that's going to become a bit of a I don't know not rivalry but whether whether Webflow want to absorb that kind of functionality or or how much or whether they want to stay away from the like you just said the web app kind of future because it's tough like you know we build web apps it's super tough to to have that in a simple way logic like you've just said yeah and 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 I think merging those two platforms together is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. that there's a reason that one has one and one has the other. And for Webflow to build the type of features and functionality that Bubble has, I think mm-hmm. is years in the future. And like we talked about before, thinking too far into the future and making real decisions based on the future is is a waste of time. I was wondering, do you keep your eye on any of the, those other competitors for in the no-code sort of space? No, nope. We are only interested in in Webflow. We're not, so, even, we're like, not even to say, oh, they've got that piece of functionality over there. We could build that and put it into Webflow. <laughs> well, yeah. Now that you bring it up, we're we're starting to look into the bigger platforms like the mm-hmm. AEM, Sitecore, some of the larger CMSs, to help try to convert some of those companies. We recently did an AEM migration, and the company is thrilled. They're like. I can't believe you did it this fast. I can't believe our site's up. And now we can manage the whole thing. So they're thrilled. So we're trying to do more of those kind of migrations. So we are looking into those platforms for that reason. Hmm. And having worked with some of those, they're quite, they're cumbersome. Cumbersome yeah, big ripe things. for picking. Um, absolutely. Yes. There's, I know plenty of enterprises that uh, would love to move away from that. Hmm. Yeah. When you said my, when you say migration, what what, what I, I'm not sure how much you can divulge in terms of what the pro- project was, but they wanted to come off those platforms, and you built something bespoke for them. Like what what did you mean by migrate? Sure. So they had a site on AEM. It had a a very simple auth system, and it had fetching and rendering data of APIs. They had, uh, sorry, of PDFs. So they had this whole PDF library and they needed based on the auth state for people to have access to different PDFs and edit the PDFs and print the PDFs and all these different features. So they said, hey, you built another site on Webflow for us and we are trying to get off of AEM for this site. Can you do this in Webflow? A day later, we came back and said, yeah, we can make this happen. So we spent about two months rebuilding this site with their new specifications, with their updates that their their AEM developer could not do. 
And in two months, the whole site rebuilt and super happy. They are thrilled because they, they no longer have that giant platform cost. They no longer have that expensive developer that wasn't getting anything done. And the site's beautiful. It's all, it's all reskinned and they have the new features they want and it's all Webflow based. So they had a huge cost savings. We had a great margin. Everybody's happy. It was just a win-win-win. So we're trying to do more of those projects. Yeah. The cost is an interesting thing. Are you able to to pinpoint for us what the difference is between sort of one of those classic systems or even a homegrown system versus the cost of hosting on Webflow? What what sort of differences can people be expecting? Well, I'm, I'm so Webflow focused that I, I don't have a lot of specifics of these big platforms. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm hearing, from what this client has told us, it's saving hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. Per year. And per year. There's, there's, no, there's no effect on sort of uptime or um, you know, availability, speed, rendering within, within Webflow versus anything else? No. Mm-hmm. Nope. They're, they, everything, I, I would even say the performance is improved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, a really clean and lightweight site with a powerful, so a powerful like, functionality piece. Yes. And in terms of, in, in terms of that actual hosting cost for a year for a, a large enterprise site, for example, what sort of, what's the sort of range we're, we're talking about in terms of the actual running and maintenance cost of that uh, site? So Webflow this this client is part of the Webflow Enterprise program. Mm-hmm. So they have a, an enterprise license with Webflow. I don't know the specific amount and I do not want to say it on this. I don't, I don't want to say it incorrectly sure. on a recorded show, but I know that it is less than $100,000, right. which okay. is significantly less than what you're paying for AEM license and AEM yeah. developers. So it's a huge cost savings and to host on webflow is what like 250 300 bucks per year yeah it's nothing i mean these com- sometimes we we say the hosting costs for these companies and they laugh they're like that's it <laughs> you, what else what else do we have to pay nothing that's it so yeah it, people are very happy with the cost savings mm. with um with regards to the dependency you guys have on webflow you know things go down aws can go down websites can go and and these platforms um what what are your sort of trying to think of my question are are you worried about that at all is there any kind of precautions that you are or can or want to put in place with regards to that dependency, because yeah, people complain that Webflow is slow today or this thing, like, there can be bugs in this software. How are you mitigating against that? Or how can you, you know, advise, you know, reassure people as it, as it were for, um, to go with something like that or with Webflow? Sure. Well, the first thing I say to that is those problems can happen in any platform. You can have a team of the best 20 developers on whatever platform, and you're still at risk of downtime, performance issues, security attacks. That, mm-hmm. That's just part of being on the web. Webflow, I like to think of it as your own team of developers. That if something happens in Webflow, you get an email about it right away. 
and they're looking into it. And usually within the hour or within two hours, this problem has been resolved. They have a team of people 24 hours monitoring the system, making sure everything is okay. Mm. For your company to have that level of attention costs a lot of money. If you outsource that or you have that internal, having that management of your system is incredibly resource intensive. So Webflow can give you that same level of quality, sometimes better, or maybe even a little bit less. Companies are still okay with that. And when you go with the enterprise plan, they have a very catered service where you get more security features, you get more uh, hosting improvements, you get a personalized person, a personalized developer to help you with any issues you have. Wow. So that I also think is a cost savings. I mean, less than a yeah. hundred thousand for somebody that is managing your, your account. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, because um, maintenance and and sort of these enterprise plans with these kind of enterprise level software, they, like you've just said, they they enter the hundreds of thousands and it's just um, sort of a no brainer for them when, when you start mentioning that that's what they get. I didn't know they get, they got that when you, when you go with a sort of enterprise level. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've been thinking about when people talk about how slow it is or there's bugs or, or whatever i do worry and that's what that's what makes me worried about certain webflow usage is just the lack of control you get whereas when i code something if it goes well if it goes down it's our code and we can just get right in and just sort of fix it you know so yeah that's great uh I, I was also like, I wanted to dig in more about, I don't know whether you had any more questions on that, Chris, because I wanted to just sort of dig in more about the the future of no code and start talking about that sort no, of stuff. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, we, we don't want to be too presumptuous on the kind of no code thing, but like, are, are, do you have any, I think Chris alluded to it earlier, but do you have any eyes set on any other than, other no coding platforms and whether um, FinSuite can integrate or whether they want to play a part in the no code landscape, or is it, as you, you might mentioned a couple of times, is it strictly no code? Uh, sorry, Webflow. Sorry. We're working with Airtable. We we're big fans of Airtable. We have a lot of our systems built in Airtable, uh, internal systems like our employee database, our the way we do payments, invoice clients, all of that is set up in Airtable. Mm. Very, very useful for us as a company. Our future products, for example, our add-on CMS to Webflow will integrate with Airtable. So you can use Airtable as your database and then render that data on a Webflow hosted site. Mm. We have another Airtable app that's launching that will connect Webflow CMS to Airtable. So we're doing a lot with Airtable. That I would say is our our go to platform after Webflow. Mm. And like, are you I, I, when you say work with them? Are you actually in contact with the teams or anything like that, or is it literally that that's your platform of choice? Both, both. Oh wow! Yeah, we have some contacts in Airtable. Uh, they're mm. they're great. We're we're about to submit our first app with them, which I'm very excited oh, cool. about. Yeah. Oh, nice. And yeah, and we use it as a company. We have several of our team members managing information about our company inside Airtable. Yeah. Cuz I think I mean with regards to sort of no code, Chris and I we we're, we're 
still very much developers. We're still very much like code is kind of the way and, you know, we, we have ultimate control and all the rest of it. And we, I think we're both, both of I mean, I'll, I'll speak for Chris as well. I think we're both control coming freaks, at this. I think. Yeah, that's, that's where <laughs> I was going. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we're both very um, curious, you know, to hear your thoughts around kind of just these no-code platforms and, and uh, to see if... You know, I, I guess I'm not completely sold on the, the the future of no code because, like I say, if something goes down in Webflow, it, the the coder needs to be there to pick it up, or the the code needs to be written to to create these applications. So I just don't, I can't see a, a future of no code. But also, well, also, also, Sam, because our, what we have to remember, you mentioned Dreamweaver earlier, and that's our that's our early experience <laughs> yes. of creating no code websites and it wasn't pleasant <laughs> no i still cry at night because of uh, dreamweaver and the yeah drag and drop did you ever use dreamweaver joe no that was way before my time yeah okay. um I'm, I'm only five almost six years into websites now so that yeah. was pre six years ago yeah yeah who sorry sorry to backtrack a little bit who who is the kind of you're probably not describing yourselves as senior management, but who's at the kind of senior management level at, at, at FinSuite at the moment? Is it is it just you, or do you have a, a, are you uh, partnered up with anyone or anything like that? Well, as we're growing, we're trying to not grow vertically. I'm trying really, really hard to not grow vertically. Mm. So I don't have a, a real answer to that, and I don't really mm. see people as managers maybe they're managing a specific project or they're managing a specific team for something but i don't like the idea of somebody being someone else's boss mm. especially when we're all remote and everybody comes from the freelance life people want that that autonomy and they want to feel like mm. they are doing their own thing so we're trying to stay as flat as possible nobody wants to feel like they're five levels down in a company mm want to feel like they're at the top they can rise to the top they're they're there for the for the growth nice that's really cool um i think that goes to the uniqueness again that we we spoke about before like having that flattened management structure you know i think you're uh you're, you're hitting the mark with pretty much everything that everybody aspires to do yeah a, a lot of people they they really think about traditional business when they're, when they're starting a new business. And that's a really big problem. If you're starting a new business, why are you thinking about other business? Why are you thinking about the way that things have been done? And especially with 2020, with mm. everybody working from home, why are you thinking about the same business techniques as you were? You know, it's, it's totally different. You have, to, you have to think about where we are now. And this is a total change. Have you tried any of these flattened sort of management structures before or read about them before? I mean, what's the inspiration for this? Just uh, simply put, making people happy. If, yeah. if I was part of a company, I would want to be part of a flat structure company. I would not want to be in a vertical company. Mm -hmm. That is frustrating. And I think it's, it's not as motivating as being part of a, a flat company. I... I don't read. I used to read in the beginning of FinSuite. And then I got to the point where I said, why am I reading about other people's business when I could spend that same time learning about my own business? Mm -hmm. 
You know, if, if I'm spending three hours reading, that's three less hours talking with the team, figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't work, iterating on processes. And that is just incredibly more valuable than hearing about something that somebody did two or three years ago. And I don't really care about your business or what you've done because FinSuite is so different. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because there is so much to be learned from the past. And I think you mentioned in the past, Chris, around how looking at where we've come from in order to guide the kind of, you know, our, our futures or, or, you know, not making the same mistakes twice. But I think what you hold, Joe, is a very creative, a, a creative business mind that probably these people who wrote, wrote a book, they were probably similar in, in their mindset, very creative in the way that they're thinking. Um, I don't think a lot of people have that. I think you're probably very, very unique in that and that you can sort of think right on the spot and, and make those quite impactful business uh, decisions just by getting stuck in. I just don't think people, a lot of people have that behind them. I think you should write a book, <laughs> basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> that I won't read. <laughs> that you won't read. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I certainly think that when you're getting onto like, you know, a hundred employees, we're going to have to have you back and figure out what you learned between thirty-five and one hundred, because I think yeah. it's, uh, I think, I think it's fascinating the growth that you're going through. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you do read. Well, I read. You don't read. I read a lot about this in uh, in various books and and various uh, articles, YouTube. Uh, conferences all that sort of stuff where there is um you seem to be doing all the things that people are aspiring to do and it must be quite difficult to i mean how do you think different if that makes sense you know how do you how do you drop away all of the things you've got from years of experience in larger companies or doing sales for companies how do you drop all of that away and think for yourself because that's quite that's quite a thing to do, I think. Uh, my answer to that is just do it. Mm. I mean, if, if you know certain ways to do things, don't follow it just because you know it. You know, if you've, if you've had a sandwich every single day for lunch, don't just have another sandwich. Try a hot dog. Try a hamburger. You just got to do it, you know? You know I, that there's... I would argue that there's still it. sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I have a, a habit lot, of doing a, that. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people go go to the old stuff, but you know, fight through it. Try mm. it. You could try it with small things. You could try it with big things, but mm. you can fight through it. And think for yourself: What's the best thing I could do today? What's the best thing I could do this week? Don't think about, hey, my company's getting to this amount. I need to start thinking about this. Work yeah, for think- right now. I think it's interesting because, I mean, my, my background is Amazon and we had a whole load of, um, what, 14 particular leadership principles that are embedded in your brain as soon as you become an employee and you are embodying <laughs> several of them, which are things yes. like uh, bias for action, which is, you know, basically just do it or be right a lot, which, you know, it sounds like you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, how many times have we used nail on the head in this podcast, Sam? Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep a count of that. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's quite impressive. You, you seem to be automatically ticking off some of those things that are in all of these books, you know, are in all of these, uh, these learnings. Um, I mean, Sam talks about me 
reading up on the history quite a lot. One of my favorite books is a, is a book called The Mythical Man Month, which is kind of like the Bible of computer science, I guess, in the sense that no one's ever read it, but everybody will quote it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, that was written in, I think, 1966, something like that, or it started in 66, was published in the early 70s. And it's amazing how true a whole load of those things still are in terms of the learnings. And yet there's so many of them that companies are still just learning or still just implementing. Um, I think it, it takes a lot of guts to try to forget what you've learned before and actually do what feels like the right thing. Um, that's not really a question. That's more of a comment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, there's only so many conversations I can have about COVID, but would you, did COVID affect FinSuite at all? Either, you know, benefited it or, or you know, distracted it in any sort of way? Well, we did see an increase in business last year. I don't know if that was direct from COVID or if that was from our content and from our, yeah. our work and from our advertising. So I don't know, but we did have an increase in business and we found that a lot of software-based companies, internet-based companies had no problem with COVID, that they were running business as expected. Some of them even wanted to invest more in their website because they knew they needed more of a yeah. digital presence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I am looking at the time now. I don't want to take any more of your precious time. You sound like a very, very busy, busy gentleman. So uh, I'll wrap it up there if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, thanks yeah, thank so much for, for being on the show. That was that was fantastic. Great, great. We talk there. Yeah, make sure you send the email once we get to 100 employees. <laughs> <laughs>